1: Kid 360 is back alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, David Reed is the chairman of the board, making the show happen for us. If you're watching on YouTube, we'll hope you'll subscribe. Uh, Hit that alert button. Hit that bell. Ring that bell. Every time we go live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, you'll get the alerts there. Facebook, we hope you'll share the post. Retweet on Twitter. And if you're listening on the podcast, we appreciate you. We hope you'll rate and subscribe uh, and leave us a review while you're here. Crew is all here today. A lot to get to out of the gates. Gentlemen, good morning.
0: Good morning. It is a fine Tuesday. And Paul Kuharski came in fired up and ready to go to open the show. Paul, by the way, first off, congrats on a really well done piece. appreciate at it. At paulkuharski.com. I enjoy anytime we can get to something that has a different layer to it. I love reading that. I think that you had a piece that got to a different layer of what the expectation is for scouts in the National Football League.
1: So Rashad Weaver charged with one count, simple assault. Uh, This was post-draft. This came out uh, yesterday after the Titans draft, but it was an incident that took place two weeks prior to the draft taking place. Fourth round pick out of Pitt. And the question we posed yesterday is, what did the Titans know or didn't know? Their statement that was released after we went off the air yesterday made it clear they did not find out about anything to do with Rashad Weaver uh, being involved in any altercation or anything legally until yesterday morning, which is a question that we were asking. Is that fair or unfair to expect where you draft a player and, and don't know something like this? Paul, you did some digging.
2: Well, there are other teams that did not know for sure, but there are teams that knew. Uh, you know, yesterday when I initially wrote it, I had uh, scouts from two teams, one knew, one didn't know. Now I know there are three teams uh, of the teams that I've, I've talked to and know about, three teams that knew, two teams that did not know. All right, But we know that the Tennessee Titans, a year removed from a huge fiasco with Isaiah Wilson in the first round, are held now to a higher standard. That they, you know, they can't miss on on a, on a on a draft pick, and they need to be hyper aware of red flags. And uh, I, I think we all agree that, um, you know, they shouldn't be missing on something like this. The timing of it awful, obviously. Um, look, the the incident happened on April 18th. The woman filed her complaint on April 30th. The criminal complaint was filed on April 30th, but the summons wasn't issued until May 3rd, which is yesterday. (laughs) So the timing of it, very complex for a team to learn about it. And you're not going to learn about it probably from the criminal justice system in Pittsburgh. Here's how you learn about it. Teams traditionally have methods for checking in with guys they think they're going to draft before the the draft, in the days leading up to the draft. People are assigned people. You know, a regional scout has people from certain schools or the checkers or, you know, everybody gets a batch of guys. And you call. Ideally, it's the guy who's been dealing with that prospect. Checking in on your phone numbers, buddy. Checking in on your agent. Checking in on your, your rehab of your injury. Have you suffered any new injuries? You know, and then you go, you go deeper, you know. Have you been in any trouble? Now, you know, maybe the Titans asked that question. I talked to a scout yesterday who's, who's a very good scout, you know, and who's been a, a source of mine for a while. Now, he knows how to ask the right prodding question, you know, and God. Uh, You know, gets deeper with a a guy. You know, if you've been out drinking, anything going on late night, you know, and asks a layered, layered question. Are the Titan Scouts doing that? You know, I'm not saying this scout you
1: spoke with did that with Weaver.
2: This scout I spoke with does that with guys. Okay. I I know some things that I can't say. Guys that his team is targeting. Yeah. I mean, I think you try to do it with everybody. I don't know if every team is doing it with 250 guys, right? We know ultimately your board might have 250 guys on it, but you know that you're probably taking eight of these 50 guys. So I would think you're definitely doing it with those 50 guys, right? So Patrick Calloway is the Titans' eastern scout. I presume he's the point person on Pitt if Pitt qualifies in their scouting map as an eastern school. Sometimes it might not. You know, the way they draw a line, it could be, you know, a a Midwestern school. All right, so I don't want to talk out of school. I presume Patrick Calloway is their Eastern scout and that Pitt is an Eastern school. I've talked time and time again about the Titans having young scouts. I believe Patrick Calloway is 27 years old. I don't don't want to, you know, pass judgment that a 27-year-old is not qualified to do that. But a 27-year-old probably doesn't have a lot of experience talking to Rashad Weaver, who, by the way, is 23 he's years four old. four years older than Rashad Weaver, to put that into context. So, I mean, is he able, uh, you know, some people might say, hey, a young guy can relate to a young guy and get that out of him. I would think Rashad Weaver has a way of, if he's in that conversation, of not, necessarily revealing anything. Rashad Weaver clearly doesn't feel he did anything wrong. A charge hasn't been filed. You've got to ask the right questions there to get a revelation that something was up. And I will say some of these teams, I believe, that knew something was up, didn't necessarily take him off their board or score him down. You know, so the Titans got unlucky that they were the team that that drafted him. I know two teams that were very interested in Rashad Weaver did not know, also did not know. So it could have been one of those two teams. So there's an element of unluckiness here. But I think we're talking locally in Nashville about a team that blew a big pick last year that now has a guy with a court date on October 5th if this thing isn't settled by then. It's bad news.
0: It's, it's not the element of unlucky. I, I understand what you're saying. Timing-wise, not ideal. Uh, I don't think you can term it unlucky if the right questions weren't asked in that follow-up.
2: I'd agree with that.
0: If If there was someone, and I know you didn't say this, but let's say hypothetically, there was someone that got that answer from Rashad Weaver where he was honest with them and said something was up and something happened. If that was the means by which a team figured out that there was an impending charge or something was going down, then I'm not gonna just chalk this up as the Titans being unlucky because it's the Titans not doing their due diligence and not asking the right question of the prospect. And I'll also say this, and I'll relate it to the University of Tennessee's football program, because I, I'm a Tennessee grad. I watched Tennessee football for over a decade, have a lot of unlucky moments, right? Right, A lot of unlucky moments. And I keep saying, man, this is just the unluckiest program. This five-star player comes in and he's just not a great guy, or he doesn't contribute or he doesn't work hard, or this happens late in a game and that happens late in the game and unlucky, 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 unlucky. But at some point, I had to come to the realization that it's not just being unlucky. You've got a collection of people making bad decisions that lead to, quote, unlucky things happening. I'm not saying that John Robinson and the Titans front office is a group that's made a ton of bad decisions to wear their Tennessee football the last decade, for an example. But I will say this, I'm not going to sit here and chalk it up to being unlucky when this same regime just had the biggest first-round flop of all time. I agree. A year later, to be one of 32 teams, this has not happened anywhere else in the league. This is a national story because not one other NFL team had this happen. When the Titans were the first team to get popped with COVID-19 and have a game postponed, remember the NFL came in, the NFL media, oh, kick him out of the damn league for the year. Don't let him play a game. And we kept saying, well, it's going to happen to someone else. It's going to happen to someone else. I don't know that this is going to happen to another team. The Titans are probably the lone NFL team that drafted a guy as he was being arrested and charged with punching a woman. That's a problem. To me, that's more than just being quote-unquote unlucky. And when you uh, combine that with the Isaiah Wilson pick a year ago and what happened with him, Paul, I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt on this. Where I give them the benefit of the doubt is Derrick Henry, is the trade for Ryan Tannehill, is the win-loss record, which that can erase everything. But because of Isaiah Wilson, this puts them in a very bad spot. And the fact that someone else knew it, and I believe your report, others might not, and think that a scout's lying we'll to you. will get into that. And to trying me. to look better on it. But I believe your report. I believe other teams knew. I don't think it takes a CIA agent To find out what's going on, as some people have claimed to me on Twitter, that, oh, you're watching too many spy thrillers to think that the Titans would have any way of knowing this. No, there's ways to know, and other teams knew it. It's a big problem for the Titans.
2: Quickly, just on the ways to know, right? I don't think you're probably not finding this out through the police reports and stuff based on the timing, right? Right. Unless you have a police source in Pittsburgh, which is probably asking a lot. But you have a source connected to Weaver, You have Weaver himself, you have sources connected to Weaver, you have sources connected to Pitt, and those sources you have to be able to count on to A, tell you the truth, or to B, tip you off, and the Titans clearly didn't have that. I've got that that timeline of the things that went down. Um, She filed her complaint on April, the the event happened April 18th. She filed her complaint on the 20th. The criminal complaint was filed on the 30th, the day before they drafted him. The summons was issued May 3rd. So those things are probably not helpful in terms of the Titans finding out. But a conversation with him should have been helpful. Um, You know, if you're checking in with people around him, I I don't know if you're doing those check-ins. The fact of the matter is, you have to have a relationship with him and a conversation with him that would point you in a direction. And maybe people at Pitt should be telling you, hey, you Forgive might want for, to look for, into Forgive me for
1: reading into this more if, if you guys think I am. So what on the timeline, what was April 30th?
2: April 30th was the criminal complaint was officially that was filed
1: in the system. That's when lawyers get involved, right? Yes. And it took until May 3rd for his lawyers to release a statement. You think that's because he wanted to get drafted?
2: Well, it's also a a weekend, but yeah, sure. You think that's because because he wanted to get drafted?
1: Yeah. If they they find these allegations completely false and reckless, and they wait how many days to release a statement on this?
2: Well, you don't release a statement because it hasn't become public. You don't release a statement until it's out. So they're waiting for the... Post-Gazette, and they're hoping the Post-Gazette, if you, and it, people don't find out about it, you're not issuing a statement until you're responding to a question, right? So they're waiting for the media and hoping the media doesn't find out. So the thing that triggers this whole thing is the Post-Gazette having a story.
1: But if you if you are, are Which, well, Monday just, morning. Uh, find, find everything completely false and reckless, aren't you getting ahead of this story with teams that are calling to ask about this and just vehemently denying everything involved with this? Well...
2: I think you're waiting for the team to ask you about it yeah. because you're presuming you the, team does, the team doesn't so know you're about about it. something. You
0: hope a te- the team so is dumb enough to not know and yeah. draft, and draft and you. Then and then you'll explain done. it
2: later. Yeah, get, right. get drafted as high as you can. Ask and ask for forgiveness, forgiveness and later. not permission. Yeah.
0: You're not going to get out in front of it, and you're going to hope that there's a Tennessee Titans out there that doesn't know, and not the team out there, whoever Paul talked to, that did know. And that team that doesn't know is going to draft you, and and you're going to be fine. Dustin on Twitter, and this is a comparison I'm seeing a lot. Look no further than Joe Mixon in Cincinnati, which was much worse, in my opinion, because it was on tape. After two to three days of post-draft outcry, everyone moved on. Surely not a good look, but not the end of the world, and it will be a non-issue starting next week. The difference here is Cincinnati knew about it. It was a pass deal that everyone had already seen everything on it. You knew what was up. It was a draft day story. The difference with this, this is more a story about – the Titans inadequacy than it is Rashad Weaver or them making. When they drafted Jeffrey Simmons, that was a post-draft outcry. ESPN immediately showed the footage that night. Remember, that was a big controversy of him punching the woman in high school. This was the Titans taking a calculated risk Believing in the player, believing in the person, and drafting them regardless of something that happened years in the past. Assurances. Cincinnati the same way. They took a chance on Joe Mixon. They knew they were going to take a a black eye in the media for a while because of it. But they knew it. The issue here is the Titans, after not knowing Isaiah Wilson was a piece of trash as a football player and a worker, drafted a guy. they, They didn't know that he just got arrested for punching a woman, allegedly. And all this mental gymnastics about, well, you know, let's let's let it play out. This could have happened. This could have. That's fine. I'm, I'm with you on that. Innocent until proven guilty, all of that. But let's really piece together this story. And even if you are completely on Rashad Weaver's side with him telling a cop that he would hit a woman with the altercation happening right before she was on the concrete, even when people say, well, there was no evidence of a punch when you go back and read the report, well, that's because later it's found out she had a concussion from the back of her head striking the concrete because she was allegedly grabbed by the throat and thrown to the ground. Now, if one witness said, I saw him punch her, you can see how that would be confusing to say it's a punch or, you know, a pie face. Yeah, basically. You're standing at one angle, you
2: see. But I, I see try to look at all down. these
0: situations of what if I was in that situation? What would I want my friends and family and everyone to believe? I'd want them to believe me if I didn't do it. And I would tell them that. But when you stack up all the evidence and all the accounts in him telling a cop again, before this happened, he told a cop that he would punch a woman if he found it if that. she needed it quote if she needed it
1: yeah, according to the, re- the report said that to a group of officers.
2: Who I just, came to deal with the first argument that resulted from her either spilling a drink on him or throwing a drink I, on
0: him. I'm not going to be emotional about this. I'm, I'm not going to play the, you know, I have two daughters card and, and all of that. You shouldn't have to. Because, I, again, I'm trying to use logic in this, and my logic tells me something bad happened. Something is up. Maybe he didn't do exactly what was uh, that he's being alleged to have done, but something bad happened that night when this girl ended up on the ground. And I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to look at the evidence and know that that's the case. And regardless, the fact that there is a criminal complaint and a summons being issued to a player that the Titans had no idea this was happening, it's really bad on the Titans.
2: These are judgment errors by him and a judgment error by them. And like we're saying, they're trending in the wrong direction on these things as a, as a franchise, which is a problem.
1: Well, aside from you know, him, whether or not he did this, the question I'm asking is, should the Titans have known that this was filed, that th- this was going on? Because other teams have told you, Paul, other scouts currently in the league, have told you, yes, they did in fact know about this with Rashad Weaker. I don't know if they knew it so, was
2: filed. They knew something happened. So how Their, their security people were looking into it. So I say what is if the one team knew,
1: the Titans should know. What is the expectation for a team that is trying to put the Isaiah Wilson saga behind them, uh, combing through every inch of available information to make sure that they know about a player's current situation, past, Present, future, everything. What's the expectation of an organization that's that's now trying to improve Recovered. in that area Recovered. after a massive failure? Yeah, I say massive, the expectation is catastrophic failure in that job a year ago.
2: I say the expectation is better than this.
0: Here's the expectation. Right? If somebody
2: knows, you, you should know. This is a very yes. simple.
0: This is a very simple expectation for me, especially after Isaiah Wilson. People want to separate the two. You can't. Because it was so bad a year ago, it's all combined now. You can't separate the two. Here's the expectation. If one NFL team knew, I want the team that actually drafts him to know. That's it. I think that's entirely fair. I don't care if it's one other team that did a great job and found out about this. I don't care if it's the Pittsburgh Steelers in his town that knew about this. I don't care who it is. If one team knew... If you're the team that drafted him, I expect you to know also. I don't expect you to be surprised by this. That is not too far to go for an expectation. And I'm willing to bet that John Robinson today, he's never going to say it, but deep down probably feels the same way. He's probably calling that scout in. He's probably checking the procedure and everything else. And he's thinking to himself, he's reading the Paul Kowarski story and thinking, crap, if one team knew – I need to know. We need to know because we're the ones who drafted the kid. Well, this is more than one team, though.
2: Three teams knew, two teams didn't know. Which makes it even worse, Five teams that I know about. Also, let's not just say – Five teams
0: that you know knew about.
2: Five teams that I know. Spoke to. Three knew. Three knew, two didn't. Also, I mentioned Patrick Calloway, who's the Eastern scout, but it's not just him. Mike Boney. They have two scouts. One oversees the West cross-checks. One oversees the East. So Mike Boney oversees the East. Then you have college scouting director John Salgi, You have vice president of player personnel Ryan Cow- Cowden. You have director of player personnel Monty Asenfort. And then you have John Robinson who oversees the whole thing. So what did I list there? One, two, three, four, five, six guys. I mean, it's a, it's a layered process on purpose with levels to, to cross check and oversee so that it's not just one person.
1: Now, let, let's just be, let, let's put ourselves in this situation after after last year and imagine being the scout that's putting your name behind a player. You know, the stand on the table type guy. This is the player we need to address and this is the pass rusher that's atop our board and all the pod and the horizontal boards for the fourth round and why they great value in the go.
2: They probably go before they go to this guy and go, Patrick, we good with this guy? Well, You know, you go to the scout of the region for a well, final, you, uh, you know, we're good?
1: You come in, you, you know, in a typical year, you'd bring the scouts in a week before the draft and you have these discussions. And then as the draft leads up to actual time to select, you're reevaluating everything. Like you're saying, Paul, you're you're calling different sources from around the country to make sure you get this right. And So uh, imagine being the group, because this is not just one individual decision. Imagine being the group of people that failed last year that are a part of this and then having to answer for the decision again, for, for not knowing. Again, it's not whether or not he did this, which we have mentioned yesterday, is terrible. It, it's about not knowing that this is going on. And then having to be called on the carpet for it behind the scenes. And say, hey, why didn't we know this? What are you doing all day Friday? We're on the clock Saturday. You're about to draft Rashad away. What's going on Friday when all this came out? What, what's going on Saturday morning before we select him? Uh, I'm trying to put myself in that situation. How do you answer for that?
2: I, I, don't, I don't know. what. I mean, I think there are probably speechless people in the building yesterday during uh, what had to be uh, an awful uh, and eerie and ugly day.
1: And so now, now to those who say, oh, one team, of course, uh, of course, there's going to be a team that says, oh, yeah, we knew about it. We, there's another team, oh, yeah, we knew about it. Paul your reaction to those that question your sources on sure that that say they're they're simply telling you that they knew to make themselves look well better.
2: first off name names i'm going to do this right here jason martin on my former radio show i had the displeasure of tuning into you this morning you had kayla anderson tv person from nashville on this morning and both of you without naming me or citing my report took the liberty of saying, yeah, these scouts probably, you know, are are making themselves look good by saying after the fact they knew about it. First of all, I'd like for you to tell me about all the scouts that you've talked to in your lives, because you're not NFL reporters. Your credentials are very weak in this area. So, uh, you know, stone up, first off. Secondly, I know these people for a long time, and I'm the best NFL reporter in Nashville. I'm a Hall of Fame voter, and I actually know people. So uh, for you to question them and disparage them is ridiculous. Uh, I know you're all for the home team, go Titans, and you have to cover for them. J-Mart, I know it's pretty much in your contract. That you, uh, I, I know what goes on there because I used to work there. So you're pro-Titans and you have to cover their ass. More power to you, you're doing a great job. I heard it this morning for myself. But I talk to scouts. What incentive is there for an anonymous scout to lie? He's covering his ass? Without his name on it? Whoa, he did a heck of a job. Boy, his bosses are really proud of him today. They don't know who he is, but he did a great job. Think a little bit, bud. Think a little bit. I did enjoy the story about your your first kiss with your wife that you came back with after I tweeted you when you didn't have the courage to respond. That's a great story. Very romantic.
0: <laughs> Such a romantic tell. Tell as old as time.
2: Name a name.
1: Well, the, the insinuation that they're doing that to make themselves look better, uh, and I didn't hear it this morning, um, is ludicrous
0: because it's not making them look better if we don't know who they are. Well, here's I'll give you the one possible note, and I don't buy this at all, because also, again, you had three different teams tell you this, right? Um, I, I get into this sometimes with, uh, I'll name names also, I think it's the Athlon Sports Preview magazine that has the anonymous coaches quote, about other teams, yeah. and some of the teams just get ripped to shreds. And I always see that, and I think, oh, that's a rival Recruiting team. ploy. You know, that's like, oh, this team's dumb on offense. We know exactly what they're doing defensively. And I'm thinking, boy, that's really harsh. But it's easy to say that when you're anonymous. The one possible motivation would be uh, these are people that want to make the Titans look dumber than they already do. So I'm going to claim that I know even if I don't, even if it's anonymous, because that's going to make the Titans look dumber. But here's the difference, though, Paul. Um, I believe you and your reporting, and you believe your sources, and I don't think it's that big of an advantage. This isn't a recruiting scenario, right? So it's not a huge advantage for them to say, I knew if they didn't to try to make the Titans People look People I dumb. trust. People I trust. It's just, it's just not, it's not the case. And here's the other thing. I think if you look at Rashad Weaver's body of work at Pitt in his height and weight and everything else, I think there's a reason he's available there. I believe there's a chance that some of those teams that knew about it had a chance to draft Rashad Weaver at a need, and they didn't for that reason. You know, just like Caleb Farley is a top ten talent that was there for the Titans at 22. Why? Because of two back surgeries. I believe there's a reason Rashad, because when he was drafted, I'm studying up on this kid, looking at what he did. He's an All American. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets the quarterback. He's got a quick burst. You know, his his 10 yard dash basically is is one of the best in the draft. I'm like, why is he there in the fourth round? I'm I'm willing to bet part of the reason is teams knew, even if the Titans didn't,
2: that something was up. I'll go on the other side of this, though. I'm virtually certain of two teams that liked him that didn't know that I'm sure are probably breathing a sigh of relief that they wound up going a different direction. I don't know if they were before the Titans or after the Titans or what they wound up doing that were calling around yesterday checking with other scouts about whether they knew or didn't know and probably breathing a sigh of relief that they didn't draft him or, or score him down because they were interested in him and they did not know. So but, they could have easily so, been the Titans themselves. Let
1: me ask from this perspective. Uh, of, the, of the three who say they did know, are there any of the three who say – they, you know what? We did know, and it's not we, we, we've checked it out. It's not that big of a deal.
2: I can't say.
1: Okay, so one way or the other, it could happen uh, like that. And maybe the Titans, even though they clearly didn't know, they've admitted they didn't know in their statement yesterday. Yeah, they said uh, we were alerted this morning. This morning. Alerted when the news the, report Alerted came of out. this this morning. Um, you know, m- maybe they would have said the same thing. But, again, I, the, the question I posed yesterday is, is it an issue that they didn't know?
2: Yeah, look, if they,
1: you know. And for those that just write it off as, oh, how, how are they supposed to know? If other teams say they were still out making calls and vetting prospects and the Titans weren't doing the exact same question asking on the prospect, they end up drafting. That's a, that, that's a red flag on the system that's in place. And we're judging that based on last year. The, That's um, fair based on the failure and the collapse of the first-round pick who's out making you know his album for Apple Music right now.
2: <laughs> right. <And if laughs> Layup they, lines. And if they knew and had looked into it and drafted him on Saturday and then at, at the press conference, uh, the Zoom press conference with John Robinson and Mike Vrabel, they say at the beginning or at the first question about uh, Rashad Weaver, they say, hey, before I answer your question, um, he was involved in something on April 18th at a bar in Pittsburgh. Uh, there's probably going to be a police report that comes out about it, an incident report. We knew about this. We investigated this. We don't find it to, to uh, we, we, it didn't affect him on our draft board. We find there to be no no cause everything. And you quash it right up front. Right. You're proactive with it and you've you've taken control of the story and everything is is fine then it's a little bit of a story we look into it right we have a conversation yeah. about it but it changes the tenor of the whole sure thing sure does so sure we, does.
0: we don't do a lot of poll questions on social media on this show we're going to do one now simple question should the titans have known and we're going to put the context in with it and we'll ask that and poll question and it starts question, three yes
2: no. yeses right here yep
1: yes they should have known if three other teams knew the answer is yes they should have known uh, hit us up on Twitter at OutKick360. We hope you'll share the post on Facebook. And uh, do uh, please do subscribe on YouTube. Retweet on Twitter as well. We are back with more on the NFL Draft in just a moment.
0: Outkick 360,
1: alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. FanDuel.com slash OK360. That's the direct link to go get the best odds and um, some great new user odds if you go sign up for FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash OK360. You can bet up to $1,000 and get that risk-free. You get up to $1,000 in site credit back if you lose your first bet as a new user at FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash OK 360. Paul, you received response from the league as we just, while we're talking Rashad Weaver, um, that they are looking into this.
2: They, they look into everything, and this, this qualifies as one of those things. So uh, Titans drafted a player that they need to look into and that the league is looking into. He's got an October 5th court date, so if things aren't settled, you know, it's conceivable that, you know, if the league judges it to be serious enough, he could be, you know, exempt uh, up until that time in a, in a worst-case scenario. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if they wind up in a worst-case scenario, depending on what the league uncovered.
1: Um, the the national story it continues to be Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Um, first, let me pose this question first, because I, I, I have – there is a – we, we talk about cyclical news, news information, and, and the way things are. So now we're into possible trade offers for Aaron Rodgers. Is it imperative? Are, are the Green Bay Packers obligated to get something in return for Aaron Rodgers if he ref, if he says it, I'm not playing in 2021 for the Green Bay Packers? Do they are they obligated to get something in return, or do they call his bluff and they say, okay, retire?
0: Uh, it's a, that's a difficult question. Well, they get
2: money back when he retires. They get a prorated uh, well, chunk the, of, chunk and, of and bonus. And this is going
1: to lead to my second question that I, no one's really, I, I haven't heard anyone mention. But so everyone is discussing what Green Bay would get in return. And along with two first round picks, they're throwing in Russell, you know, there's a Russell Wilson swap with Seattle. Uh, There is a trade with the Raiders where Derek Carr comes in return. Um, There is a trade with Denver where you get one of their quarterbacks. And I'm thinking, why did they draft Jordan Love? Why is no one mentioning that they have a future franchise quarterback that they invested a first-round pick in? This is why we're here. It's because the Green Bay Packers... And their front office and Matt LaFleur drafted their future franchise quarterback. So for all of this, oh, you could swap Rodgers for Russell Wilson, you know, the two disgruntled quarterbacks. Why does that make sense to the national outlets right now?
0: I, I think it only makes sense because they're not thinking deeply enough about it. Not only do that's surface level, draft, But though. not only do they draft Jordan Love, they traded up to draft Jordan yes. Love. Um, and that's where this started. I, I find it interesting to see how... Public discourse has shifted with Aaron Rodgers, even with Packers fans. Packers fans, if you did a poll a year ago after the draft and asked who they side with, the organization for drafting Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers for being upset, 98% would have sided with Aaron Rodgers, right? Would have taken sides against the team with that decision and and sided with their quarterback for being upset. It's probably more like 40% to 50% backing Aaron Rodgers now. If I had to guess with the Packers, with the fan base, I'm saying. And then nationally, Paul, you were one who's always been an Aaron Rodgers fan and supporter, and now even you were saying that this, is, this has broken me with Aaron Rodgers.
2: I, I mean, I, I just want to hear him come out and say it. You know, stop with everything being behind the scenes. If it's, if it's down to 5%, as our buddy Rob Domofsky says, one of my favorite NFL reporters, come
1: and who out, knows Aaron Rodgers well,
2: yeah, come out and say it sure um the guy's always kind of a cryptic mystery and that has always been an acceptable part of him in exchange for the play but now if he's starting not to play I'm less accepting of the cryptic mystery Aaron Rodgers right
1: i just I, I don't understand why the the immediate jump to get a quarterback in return on top of draft picks when they have their no you the don't the reason need Aaron Rodgers no. is disgruntled no. A big reason why is because they drafted Love. Yeah, Just they're going love. Up, with
0: Love next. You're right. up on draft picks. Yes. Like make a make a deal for Aaron Rodgers. To answer your question, Hutton, I've thought about it, going back to it. Yes, it's imperative for them to trade and get something in return for Aaron Rodgers. Because I don't believe he's going to come back and play for the Packers. So trade well, him away, my, my question get draft is, picks. You're, the, the, it's, the, it's the standoff the, game. Do you the call rest his bluff of the league is waiting. Say, if we can't have you, no one can. We have the rights to your deal. Retire. I think you get what you can. I think you find a team that's desperate enough, that's thirsty enough for Aaron Rodgers, and there are teams out there that's thirsty for Aaron Rodgers. Plenty. Go ahead and make a deal with that team, even if it's not the full bank that you would want for Aaron Rodgers, because there's other teams probably sitting around with that face off, saying, "Well, you're going to have to cut them." Or he's going to retire because he's not going to re-sign there, so you're going to have to do something with him, so I'm not going to give you everything to get Aaron Rodgers. Someone's going to give something.
2: You should be able to get something get what San Francisco gave to go up to three. But see, it's different because mm-hmm.
0: those teams can look at them and say, you got to cut him. He's not going to play for you. We don't have We know him. Him. you're going to They just cut him. put him on the retirement list. they just say retire. Then what? He has to sit out a year and then come back? How does oh, that work I if think he retires? he's got
2: to negotiate his way off of that list at some point. Favre had to negotiate his way off of that list. I don't think it's that and, difficult and, and to and negotiate your way off
0: that list if that, was the, if that were the case. What, so the
1: insinuation is when they drafted Jordan Love that 2022 was going to be the separation year. year. Two years. And Rodgers well, is trying to dictate the timetable of this by a year, a year sooner you know. than a year later. With this, after winning MVP,
2: the other way around a year later than uh, a year right.
1: Assuming. Excuse me. Yes, the other way around. He's saying, you know what? You're you're uh, a year from now. You're going to be done with me, based Before on him. based on the lack of uh, big time extension that I wanted in December and January. Um, so let's just go ahead and part ways now. And according to reports, uh, from Trey Wingo uh, last week says that. The Green Bay Packers in fact did tell him they were going to trade him this offseason. And then came forward with a an extension that he didn't like and now we're here. So, if you're Green Bay, what do you do? Is it repairable? That's the that's the next thing. Is is this repairable after him knowing that a year from now we're right back where we are except it's likely Green Bay will be done with it.
0: I would take a I would take a stock of how good is this GM if I were Green Bay? Because it's an easy solution. Get your guy to resign or fire him, and then, and then Aaron Rodgers will be happy, and he'll be back in Green Bay. And I know that's a big risk with the precedent you're setting, but if you really believe in this GM and you, you know that he's done everything right or you think he has and he's doing everything he can to bring Aaron Rodgers back and Aaron Rodgers being unreasonable, then you either trade him or let him walk. But if you really want Aaron Rodgers back, and you're not a full believer in the GM. Get him out, so because that's one way to guarantee that Aaron Rodgers is back with you, and you can make a run at a Super Bowl title this year.
1: Gutakunst, the, the the general manager, the report was from Charles Robinson of Yahoo, who's, who's excellent, catch. and and he did in the report he did not say that their Aaron Rodgers wants him is demanding that he resign or be fired. The report stated, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it. It was that Rogers doesn't believe that their relationship can continue on the path it's on, and uh, so I, I believe that Charles Robinson would have directly said that Rogers wants him out, right. if in fact that's what he wants done.
2: But he's saying that's the irreparable relationship.
1: Yes, not, and that Lafleur is the team, is the, the bystander here. He's just kind of going, you know, he's. He's standing in front of a podium acting like he's not even contemplating well, this, this guy because hired, he's in love. Well, this
2: guy hired LaFleur, right? He was part. Yes. Guttenkust was in place. Yes. So he was part of the triumvirate that hired, uh, or the duo that hired Matt LaFleur. So he's got to defer to some degree to his boss.
0: Well, well step one is somehow getting in front of Aaron Rodgers. Correct. If you're Gutenkust, and talking with him and laying it all on the table. And falling on the They've sword. They've got to have a meeting. Need he needs to fall on the sword and say, I screwed up. You know, I, I should have told him. Oh, well, he has said we that we should. We should have talked he should about do it again. Has has he said that. He said that Thursday. To, has he and they said they went that to California. Aaron Rodgers
1: though? We I, mean, don't, I know he, he said it publicly. Aaron Rodgers doesn't pick up the phone for his family. I
0: don't know if he's picking up the phone for the general manager. I, 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 I'm with you, but my point is that's step one is that they've got to somehow get in front of Aaron Rodgers. I don't care if it's ambushing him in California when he's hanging out with Shailene Woodley. Find a way to get in front of him. <laughs> go to the go to her next movie set or television show <laughs> set. And find Aaron Rodgers right. and sit down and talk well, to them and apologize okay. to him face to face and see if that helps. You see, what's even crazier about that
1: scenario would be it would be the Green Bay Packers finding Shailene Woodley before the paparazzi came. Yeah. They've she's, never been photographed together. Yeah,
2: she's uh, very reclusive. And they're engaged. Here's the key player in this whole thing. Don't put the Titans on it. <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll, tell you that much. I'll tell you who would not find out where Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley are. The Tennessee Titans, that's for sure.
2: Here's the key player in this David Dunn. Mm. Aaron Rodgers' agent. He's the broker in this, right? He's got to be the guy that has the come to Jesus meeting first with Rodgers. Say, look, maybe out isn't the best solution here. Maybe forcing that. Before we, we go forward with this, let's sit down with the Packers. They'll come to you, you know, we'll, I'll order croissants, we'll have a meal, <laughs> right? Couldn't be in Paris. (laughs) What kind of what kind of coffee do you want? You know, let's let's spend the morning with them and and sit down and try one time to have a meeting. Meditate, take a breather, do some yoga that morning, and let's go in calm. And and they'll come in calm and we'll talk. Right? This is the most calm we've ever been. That's funny, but this is this is what you need to do. Yes. To start, and then after that, we'll see how we feel. Well, and the start has to be swallowing
0: whatever pride and ego you have, if you're Guttenkust, and saying, I really hate saying that name, but I, I'll say yeah. it anyways. Yeah, we're doing well. I'm, I'm trying to avoid. I was nailing Jeremiah uh, owusu it's, it's not Pora even. It's, I know how to pronounce. it. I just I hate saying it. It's one of those names Pora I Guttenkust. But anyways, you get you, you go in there and you say, I'm completely in the wrong. You are our franchise how as a we player. We need to fix it. I want to consult you. On things, do I'm not going to give you overall say on who exactly we draft. But let's I don't go think you want Bull. that. You can tell Aaron Rodgers that, but I, I, we should consult you more on these things and appease him the time that you have him there in any way that you can. And then if that relationship works out well, maybe at the end, the agent turns and says, Now, Aaron, why don't you look over at this door also? Here are your parents.
2: <laughs>
0: Up next, your parents are now, here. Before, before now, let's repair that relationship too, and you can talk to your family. Bu-
2: before the parents' door, you go, I've got Amari Rogers out in the backyard. Do you want to throw it him for a little bit? Yeah, see. Why don't you guys put, Hey, dad, can I we think, play catch?
1: You know, we're going through well, timelines. We we're going through timelines of, uh, of Weaver. I think we're, we're doing a disservice not to mention the timeline of this. The timeline didn't start Thursday when this report oh, came out. No, no, no. This has been going on for, for a long time. And so if the Packers haven't already done this, it's too late. And that's what my point was yesterday when I said they're going through the breakup phase of denial because it's now public knowledge, and they're denying the fact that the breakup's going to happen.
2: But deadlines, deadlines prompt action, huh? and there's no deadline here. The draft was kind of a deadline. Nothing happened. So what's but the to next Chad, deadline? To there's Chad's no, point, the only no way they're getting yet.
1: in front of him is behind a microphone at a podium on a Zoom call. They're they're not getting in front of him to chat about this.
2: Well, I think David Dunn ultimately can make it happen. And I don't think anything will happen before there is a meeting like this. What's the ticking clock on that? Start a camp, maybe.
1: And there's one other area of this, uh, just to go a layer deeper, that Green Bay lacks. Paul will tell you about that coming up on Outkick 360. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton, Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, David Reed making the show happen for us. Becca Risley, Sleepy Danny, and the cast and crew at OutKick appreciate all the the great work that they're doing.
0: May I also give a quick shout out to Jacob Swanson and uh, an assist from Lance Lee? on the break oh, music that you're hearing yes. and the lead-up music. This is an original OutKick 360 band. It's not Dad's Acid. We're still coming up with a band name, but this is an original composition of the NBA Jam theme. People were guessing Mario Brothers, that it sounded like a souped-up Mario Brothers mix. No, it is, in no, no, fact, no. the theme from NBA Jam that Jacob Swanson, Lance Lee came up with, and uh, that's what's playing during our breaks. and. You heard it during the lead-up to the show. Paul, your thoughts on this? I,
2: that they, this are, funky doing little ditty, that they are doing this is spectacular. And what I want is for them to be given a few days off so they can just go in the studio and rattle off like a quadruple album worth of tunes for these breaks.
0: Well,
1: I mean, we, we need to get these guys. Uh, as, oh, did they turn their light on today? No, they did not. No, no lie. <laughs> they will you
0: speak out of the darkness? <laughs> These men prefer darkness in <laughs> yeah. all avenues of their life. The very Come out of the shadows, and speak.
1: I, I would love for them to get uh, some some big time studio time. Well, let's here hear at about Bird the studio, recording we're, 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 we're at a state of the art, uh, world renowned studio right here in Nashville, and Tennessee. And
2: Jacob recorded this instead in his closet. No, they, no, he, they he did he it right here. Oh, right here. Did they did it right room. here yeah. Yeah. in the studio. How did it go? Give us a little insight into the recording session.
0: Uh, went pretty smoothly. Uh, <laughs> plugged my little amp into this computer and used GarageBand.
2: So you, you slapped the is, bass at all
0: on that? This is the most boring VH1 Behind the Music I've ever seen. It's yeah. Jacob explaining. You're gonna have
2: to start lying, Jacob. More. If
0: you would describe GarageBand for it's the people very, out there in full detail. It,
1: it, it was not, uh, you know, typical Jacob Swanson mentality here. Uh, whenever he makes music, he's normally. It's normally like two o'clock in the morning, and uh, and, and he's, Dad's he's, he's, di- he's is diving involved. off of, he, uh, he, he, uh, he's diving off of stages,
2: or
0: trying to break into Paul's house.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think well maybe, maybe we've got a name for the band: well, sober music. Oh,
1: sober, <laughs> yes. Oh, the, he also made the great logo for us: the too.
2: Soberians. <laughs> I well, think, uh, dude, if you could come up with a new logo every week like that, that would Outkick really draw people in.
1: The Outkick three hundred and sixty NBA Jam's logo, uh, fantastic. The hard yeah, um, where the Packers maybe lack a bit in the negotiation or, or the uh, fence mending, so to speak, uh, between the organization and Aaron Rodgers, Paul.
2: Yeah, and I, I have to say, Mike Florio was pointed this out. I thought it was a good post by a guy that I don't necessarily love, Um, but he raises good points periodically. Uh, The Packers are beloved in large part, and they're a very unique franchise because they are a publicly owned company, right, uh, shareholders. So they don't have an owner. And this is the reason that we know a lot about NFL finances and things like that because they have to share information that most teams privately owned don't have to share. But here's a situation where a team with an owner, an owner would probably make a decision. An owner would say, get everybody in a room, mm-hmm. do it no matter what to the GM. Or would say to Guttenkist, uh, you know, you gotta fix this or you are in deep doo doo. Or say, screw Aaron Rodgers, we're, we're, we drafted Jordan Love to be in this position, or whatever. Mark Murphy's just the CEO, and he answers to a board of 40 people, and those 40 people actually answer to the shareholders who have a a once-a-year meeting. There's no singular authority with the Packers to lay down the law the way that Jerry Jones or Stan Kroenke or whoever, owners good and bad around the league, could could lay down the law on something like this and offer a single-minded solution after taking in, ideally, the advice of his or her football people. And so in this situation, it's actually not a good thing for the Packers to not have that singular decision-making voice at the top because it's more uh hazy
1: it's the beauty of the packers but also you're right most of the
2: time it's a good thing here's a situation where it's not
1: and i I, just a random stat about quarterbacks no green bay quarterback has made it to their 17th season Uh, that was uh, with green bay uh, star and Far both made up. it sixteen, and now Aaron Rodgers,
0: exactly sixteen years. Isn't that crazy? That is really crazy. <laughs> good time for a breakup, I guess.
1: I, I guess so. Um, any team that you're buying other than Denver that would be involved right now?
0: I
2: think Miami. Minnesota should be involved. I don't know. I haven't heard that anywhere. What What's Miami? the one other?
1: Miami, who has a boatload of future picks,
2: and they've certainly set up a good infrastructure. I need. I mean.
1: I mean, uh, there, there. uh, When I say other teams that would love, uh, all but thirty-one other teams uh, should should thirty at least thirty other teams. Uh, You've got Brady and Tampa, should be like, yeah, we'd love to have Aaron Rodgers here. Um, uh, uh, But I'm saying realistic trade availability. Vegas is Vegas is because
2: Gruden is always quarterback hungry. Um, Carr may be a guy, kind of like the same reason I'm saying Minnesota. Minnesota's gone as far as Minnesota's going to go with Cousins. See,
1: if They're going to be drafting I mean, in the middle of the draft. But that's where right? I say, are they obligated to get something? Because if Green Bay and it's Minnesota,
0: you just say, yeah, retire. We're we retaining your rights. I know what you're screw the say.
2: Every team's better with him. Well, no, it's but not a lot that. of teams it's, it's, have plans can, in, I, I, well in
0: We can give a list of the teams not interested in Aaron Rodgers before that's – Smaller than the teams interested.
2: But I'm saying, you can go through the
0: the pecking order of who's the least interested. But I mean, there's a lot of teams that even have a quarterback you wouldn't be automatically thinking about them bumping aside for Aaron Rodgers. But a lot of teams are
2: well in motion with their plan and can't afford to give up a ton for Aaron Rodgers or pay Aaron Rodgers. You have to factor that in as well so they can't blow things up. The Raiders would blow things up. They, they're <laughs> willy-nilly, right? They just don't care. Uh, yeah. You know, Miami, I think, would be a smart thing because for a long time you heard about them looking at alternatives to Tua, and then all of a sudden they were, like, fully bought in. Uh, but he's not – you know, it doesn't strike me as being that good. They're just building a great thing around him. You, you throw Rodgers into that, and then you're, you know, world. I mean, the, the team
0: that was perfect was San Francisco. Yeah, and that didn't happen for whatever reason. Even after the reports that they were talking trade, then
1: it, it was and then the 49ers I think it was
2: end up
0: trading up to get.
1: Shanahan, who called Lafleur to ask about it, and he said, "Don't even bother offering." It'd be
2: perfect for him too. He would probably love to go. It's a there. good team. Yeah, he's from Northern California. Good defense. Right? I the mean,
0: because immediately what comes to mind the teams that's a great quarterback away from competing for a Super Bowl right now.